This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome back to another episode of Business by the Numbers. I'm your host, Hunt Demrest, CPA with Parmelis and Associates, accounting firm specializing in helping repair shops understand their numbers, plan for taxes, financials, whatever your business needs. This is what we like helping people out with. So it is a day to celebrate here. As I'm recording this, this is officially the last day of tax season. I'm happy. I'm never going to miss a tax season. It seems like every single year, it's a shock. It happens. We get through it and it's over. But taxes never sleep. It's something that we don't like to think about, but they're always going to be here. And so what I wanted to talk about today is a couple different tax credits that I get asked about a lot. Two specifically. These are probably the two most common ones. The first we're going to be talking about is the employee retention tax credit, the ERTC. This one's fairly new. This is one that is, you know, came out with a lot of the COVID rules. And then the other one is the R&D, the research and development tax credit. Two very popular things to get asked about um, and probably two things that a lot of people don't really understand the full ins and out of when they're getting pushed to that. Um, But before we get into that, I would like to have a quick word from our partners who make business by the numbers possible. Nothing personal, but your customers don't want to hear your voice. They want a text telling them what's up and when they can get their wheels back. Make communication easy with cloud-based software that allows customers to pay their bills quicker. Visit them at GetShopware.com. At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed program, their unique done-for-you marketing platform takes the guesswork out of the equation. Please visit them at RepairShopOfTomorrow.com. So first, I want to talk a little bit about the employee retention tax credit. So this is one, like I was saying before, that's fairly new. So they brought this out in 2000, late 2020 was when they first introduced the employee retention tax credit. And back then, there was really two options. You could get to PPP or you could do the employee retention tax credit. You could not do both of these. And for that exact reason, you know, I did a lot of research when this first came out, when we we're looking at PPP to say, I know that PPP is the popular option, but is that really the smartest thing for my clients to be doing? And really, you know, all clients that I was trying to help during that time. And when I looked at this, PPP was light years ahead, a better program, a lot bigger money, a lot easier to get. And also one of the differences is PPP was not federally taxable, whereas the employee retention tax program is taxable income. It was probably about mid of the way through 2021 that they revamped this program. So there's two different kinds of this program. There's what's in 2020 and what's in 2021. And what they did in 2021 is they changed that requirement where you could get the employee retention tax credit, even if you got a PPP. So the general idea is, you know, the employee retention tax credit is a payroll tax credit that you're actually going to claim on your 941. Your 941 is something that you might have never seen before. It's what you file or what your payroll company files quarterly with the IRS to tell them how much in taxes you withheld, how many taxes that you pay. So in order to claim this credit, you have to amend those 941s. That can take a little bit of time, and it's not something that someone can do on their own. You have to hire someone to do the employee retention tax credit. So if we're looking at that quarter, what we do for our shops to do qualify for that is we see, all right, if the PPP was supposedly used in that quarter or strung over two quarters, is there enough payroll between those two quarters to justify the PPP and the employee retention tax credit? 
Now, if you're listening here right now and you're a shop owner, you should be okay on this credit just because shops are notoriously labor intensive. So you should have plenty of money in payroll to qualify for both of these. And so not having enough payroll to qualify for both of the credits is a concern for a lot of businesses, but for shops, it's not a big concern. However, there is a couple other concerns about how you qualify for this credit. Regardless of what some people tell you about the employee retention tax credit, everyone does not qualify for this credit. You know, and I've even seen those exact words used on marketing sent specifically to my clients. Hey, you might have heard in the past you don't qualify for this credit, but trust us, everyone applies for this or everyone qualifies for this credit. I even saw an email the other day that they had taken a look at 640 different businesses and 638 of them have qualified for this credit. Essentially, the only two that didn't qualify didn't have any people on payroll. And so they were saying 100% of people that came to them qualify for this credit, which I just don't see how they're arguing this. So let's talk about how you qualify for this credit. This is the first thing when a shop owner reaches out to me and says, Hunt, what do you know about the employee retention tax credit? Do I qualify for this credit? I will give you one exercise, and this is something that I want you to do yourself right now. But the first thing that I sell someone is I say, you got to look at two things. We got to look at 2020. We got to look at 2021 because there's different stipulations for each of those years. So for 2020, the first thing that you would have to do is you would have to compare your quarterly sales of 2020 to 2019. So January through March, April through June, July through September, et cetera. So you look at your quarter. So let's say we're looking at the second quarter of 2020, which is where most people kind of start to get hit on this. If you take a look and you say, all right, my sales for the second quarter of 2020 were $400,000. That would mean that you would have to have sales in 2019 of 800,000 or more to qualify for this. So for 2020, you have to show a 50% decrease in top line sales when comparing 2020 to 2019. Your sales have to be cut in half. Okay, that's the same for the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter. You have to be 50% down in sales to qualify for 2020. I have not seen very many shops that were down 50% in 2020. Um, we do have a number of shops that we've been able to claim this credit for, but almost no one qualifies for 2020 just because the revenue decline was so steep and it was so massive. The only people that I have seen qualify for this is kind of unique situations. And if one of these situations is something that you know might sound like your business, then you should look into this more. So we have a number of shops that are repair shops, but they also do gas. If you're selling gas and a lot of those people did see a really large decrease in 2020, just because if you lose that many gallons, people aren't driving, inherently your sales are going to go down. So we saw some pretty large decreases. Again, most of my gas stations didn't even qualify there. Some of my other clients also changed their business. So I had one guy that he's a tire store, but in 2019, he was wholesaling tires. 2020, he stopped wholesaling, was only doing retail. So obviously, a significant amount of his sales decreased going into 2020. He qualifies for the credit. Sales were down. You don't have to compare apples to apples. It was still the same operating entity. The quarterly sales were down. Um, And the last one that is something that you might not think about either is let's say that you had multi-locations. So let's say in 2019, you had two locations still owned under the same federal ID number, the same operating entity, but in 2020, you closed down one of your locations. 
Again, obviously you're going to have a significant decrease in sales and you might even be down that 50%. So for 2020, take a look at your quarterly sales. You can look at QuickBooks. You can look at your shop management software. Compare your quarterly sales total for 2020 to 2019. Now, if your sales went up or they didn't go down to 50% that they needed to, then you don't qualify for this credit and you got to move on to 2021. So 2021, they made the revenue decrease a little bit or a lot less than what they did in 2020. So in order to qualify for this credit in 2021, your sales had to be 20% down compared to 2019. So for 2021, you had to be down 20% as compared to 2019. So both of these years are using the same base year of 2019 to compare to the one we're comparing from 2021, other one to 2020. So for 2021, you need to have a decrease of 20%. So if your quarter two sales for 2019 were $400,000, then in order to qualify for this, your second quarter of 2021 would have to be at $320,000 or less. You got to have that 20% decrease. If they are, great, you qualify for this credit and you can claim it for this quarter. Now, there's some little bit of quirkiness here on how many how many quarters you qualify for and to show a revenue decrease. It gets kind of complicated there. I'm not going to go into it today because it's just going to confuse you. The biggest thing here is to look for these revenue decreases. So 2020, if you're down 50% in a quarter compared to 2019, great. Reach out to your uh, payroll processor, reach out to your accountant, say, hey, I qualify for this. What step do I need to take? For 2021, you need to show 20% down from 2019. Again, look at QuickBooks, look at your shop management software. If you're down, reach out, say something you've qualified for. So let's go into what I was kind of alluding to before when some of these businesses have came and said, you know what, regardless of what other people have said here, you do qualify for this credit, even without any decrease in sales. And some people are even saying you can have an increase in sales and you still qualify for this credit. So there's two aspects of qualifying for this credit. You know, that part of what they're explaining is not false. So you can either obviously meet the revenue decline test, just like we've talked about before, or the other stipulation has to do if you are forced to shut down, significantly reduce your business operations from COVID, or if you've experienced significant supply chain related holdups in your business due to COVID or related shortages and stuff like that. So essentially what they're trying to say here is, hey, even though you're down 10% in sales, you're really down a lot more because of what could have been, because you were forced to shut down. You were forced to limit the amount of people in your business. Now, I don't think that this really qualifies for a repair shop. Repair shops are essential service. Repair shops never had to shut down because of COVID. Some people had to because of sickness, because of you know own personal constraints that they put on their business. But as far as the government, as far as the CDC was concerned, you're allowed to operate your business at a normal capacity within reason here. What I think that that stipulation is really targeted for is something like a small retail space or even uh, daycare or something like this. You know, you're having a really good year. You're starting to build on something in 2020. And all of a sudden, your retail shop is now completely closed down because you're legally not allowed to open in California. So even though your sales were growing in 2019 was, you know, your first year and you were still up in 2020, it's a half or a quarter of what it could have been because you physically had to shut down your business 
or completely alter your business and only do e-commerce or something like that. I think that is what this, you know, stipulation is put in here for is for these people that kind of, for whatever reason, are getting a little bit gypped because their revenue does not meet that specific downturn that it needs to. I do not think that repair shops are in the vein of what the IRS is trying to do here. Now, you know, and I'm going to talk about another credit after this. I just want to kind of give my logic behind this is if you want to go out and you want to claim this credit, great, right? It can be a very big credit here. It is not something that I would feel comfortable doing for one of my shops. If I apply a tax credit, if I claim a tax credit, I want to be able to look my client in the face and say, this is good. We've done everything by the book. If the IRS looks at this, we have nothing to worry about. We have nothing to hide. I think that if you're a repair shop and you take this credit and you don't have the revenue decrease, your only defense here is you hope that no one ever looks into it. Because I feel that if the IRS really ever looked into this and you took that credit, you couldn't meet the revenue decline, they're going to throw this credit out. We all have bad days when we just turn to someone and ask, how the heck do I fix this? When that happens to you on the business side, which may not be your strong suit, you want someone quick and you want them to be clear. That's exactly what Dan Groen from Detroit Garage found when he peppered the folks at Shopware with questions about how to make the most of its shop management system. As he puts it, they continually solve the curveballs that we throw at them. With seven shops, Dan jokes that he is a demanding client, but that is a sign of a guy committed to his business. Even better, the Shopware support team met every challenge with, in Dan's words, impressive capabilities and vigor. No complaints, no hassles, just a commitment to help Dan through his day. As Dan says, we make each other stronger. Now that's a partnership that works. It is time. Visit GetShopware.com. At Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care endorsed coaching and marketing program, their unique industry-proven marketing platform takes the guesswork out of the equation. Instead of taking a shotgun approach, Repair Shop of Tomorrow uses predictive marketing that focuses on bringing the right cars into your shop. They utilize social media, email marketing, direct mail, personalized newsletters, and Napa value-added programs to create quality car count for their clients. This same branded message, same branded content marketing approach is bringing in the right customers and bringing them in more often, which is helping their clients add more net profit to the bottom line. If your current marketing strategy isn't yielding the results you would like, please reach out to Repair Shop tomorrow to get your marketing efforts dialed in. For more information about their program, please visit them at repairshopoftomorrow.com. You got to be very careful here because the companies that are marketing this to you of reaching out and saying, hey, we can prepare this credit for you. Hey, we will do this for you. Don't worry, you qualify for it. They have a lot to gain here. Most of these companies are taking 25, 30% of this credit for their fee. Now, let's talk about how much money that is and how much money this credit can be. And this is why it's so enticing here. So the maximum amount of this credit is you are allowed to get 7,000 per employee per quarter for this credit. And so if you have 10 employees and they make enough money, you could get $70,000 a quarter in a tax credit. What I mean by tax credit is tax credit is actually dollars. So if you have a quarter that qualifies uh, 10 employees, 7,000 for each employee, the IRS is literally going to send you a check for $70,000. So this is very, very tempting here. Now, these companies, like I said before, are standing to make 25 to 30% of this. And so if you do the math on this, 
This is fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars that they are standing to make here, depending on what their fee structure is. Do you think that they're an impartial source as far as tax guidance here if they're staying to make so much money on you? I don't feel like they are because I think they're just playing a numbers game here. I have not had a single one say that they will back this in audit, meaning, hey, if this get audited and this gets thrown out, are you going to pay for not only the tax, but whatever penalties come along with it? All of them will say no, right? Why are they ever going to sign up to that? There's plenty of people that will say yes without asking anything further. Even more so here, realistically, the IRS probably will never look into this. And if it does, they're making enough money on this credit where they can pay a couple people off that are disgruntled to get thrown out. I personally just don't feel that it's you know the right thing to do here, that you have a very good argument if you go and claim this credit if the IRS, if the IRS ever looks into this. However, if you do have the revenue decrease in 2020 or 2021, you definitely should look at this credit because it's great money out there. Um, you know, the credit can be very big. It is taxable income. So this can be taxable on a federal and state level. But even so, it's a lot of money. So if you have the revenue decrease, I would look into it. If you don't have that revenue decrease, then A, for one, be happy. You had a good year. You made a lot of money. Um, but probably just move on with your life and look for something else to do here. So the next one on here is the R&D tax credit, the research and development tax credit. I've been asked about this a lot recently because probably about four years ago, they kind of revamped this credit and expanded a little bit more than what they'd had in the past. I'm not sure exactly how long this credit's been around for, but it's been around for a long time. This is not a new one. Now, what is new is a couple different firms that are marketing this to repair shops. And so the idea behind research and development tax credit is this is a way for the IRS and the government to stimulate the economy to reward people for investing in new technology, new products, new procedures. This is a way for them not only to get a tax deduction, but also tax credits for doing something that is going to make money in the long run and provide good in the long run but requires a lot of capital up front. Now, this credit is fairly complicated. You know, the employee retention tax credit is something that's fairly straightforward. It's pretty black and white. The R&D credit is something exactly the opposite of it. This one is very up for interpretation, and some people have interpreted this looser than other people have. You know, the biggest thing about this one that kind of makes me a little bit uneasy, and I've looked at a lot of these that have been, you know, kind of pushed across my desk of other clients looking at this or shops asking about it, and even a couple of them going through with the full process so I can really see what they're doing. But again, just like the employee retention tax credit, they are getting a large fee for preparing these. So my client did one of these. The research and development credit was about $60,000. It's a little bit above the average. Most of them I see within thirty dollars to $50,000 range. But it was $60,000 and the company took $20,000. They take a third of it. And for what I've researched, that seems to be about the going rate on here. And so what we what they're trying to argue here and what you need to prove is a little bit tricky. And so I want to read out kind of a very boring definition of what the IRS says that the research needs to be. So the IRS says the research must be undertaken for discovering information that is technological in nature and its application must be intended for use in developing new or improved business component of the taxpayer. 
In addition, substantially all of the activities of the research must be elements of a process of experimentation relating to a new or improved function, performance, reliability, or quality, right? So a lot of different words there, new, improved, different, um, significantly different, right, is what they're looking for here. The credits that a lot of people are taking and a lot of people are arguing for shops right now that I've seen is they're arguing that any money spent on scan tool and any money spent on payroll of technicians using scan tools qualifies for this credit. They say scan tools are new technology. The process and procedures around scan tools are new technology, and we're really inventing new procedures here. And that therefore qualifies for this credit. I just don't see that being the case here. Scan tools have been around for a long time. Obviously, the ones that are out here right now are much better than things that are around for 20 years. But realistically, your shop is not inventing a new scan tool. Your shop is not inventing a new procedure on how to use the scan tool, right? And no offense to anyone here, but obviously the scan tool is only as good as the person reading it. But at the end of the day, you're plugging the scan tool and you're reading what's on it. There's not monstrous changes of the process and procedures to go along with a classic scan tool here. Like I said, I've seen a couple of these actually prepared for my clients and really looked at what they did. And I went back and I argued. And I said, you know what? This seems pretty aggressive here. This seems like something that I'm not sure would ever stand up in audit, you know, because you're not significantly improving any process here. You're not reinventing the wheel. This is not R&D. This is what the business is. Every shop out there, every top shop out there is doing the exact same thing. And their argument back was, well, then every single shop out there will probably qualify for this credit. Again, this is all up for interpretation. So when Hunt says something, this is not the end all be all. The R&D credit is junk. No one qualifies for that. That is not what I'm saying whatsoever. My job, and I tell my clients this, is my job is to educate you on what my opinion is. Because my opinion does matter somewhat because I see a ton of these. Right. And I probably understand more about this tax code than a general person does. It doesn't mean I'm an expert, doesn't mean it's the end all be all, but I feel like that at least my guidance on there can, you know, lend some support to what you're trying to do here. So in short, on this credit, the credit itself is completely valid, right? It's it's something that is useful out there. But I would say for most shops, they just don't pass the muster of being able to truly claim this credit. If you're using scan tools, if you're using alignment machines and stuff like this, you're not significantly different than anyone out there. You're not making new process and procedures. However, there are a couple shops or types of shops or types of businesses that I do think have a little bit more leg to stand on here. If you are doing EV technology, if you're getting into electric vehicles, you are doing new process and procedures, new tooling, stuff like that. I think that you probably have a pretty good argument on where this R&D credit makes sense. If you just have a scan tool that does EVs, probably not something that's going to, you know, really pass the test here. However, if you're talking about new ways to maybe repair battery cells, new ways to, you know, effectively work on EVs, to replace different parts of that, you know, all kinds of stuff related to electric vehicles, I probably would say qualify for this credit because it's something that's new. A lot of these process procedures that have been used for years and generations for internal combustion engines doesn't exist for EVs. We're only starting to see the EVs in the independent space. And a lot of people out there are doing some really cool things and really different things with this. Another area that I think probably has a little bit more area as well 
is ADOS technology, right? So if you're setting up an ADOS shop, you're doing ADOS calibration, ADOS programming, or the associated services going along with that, I think that there's probably an opportunity there as well. The reason I say that is the ADOS technology is ever-changing, and it's really changing by the minute, and a lot of the top guys that are doing it right now are really writing the book on it. One of my clients I was talking to the other day, he was saying, Hunt, they don't even tell you how long some of this stuff takes. You know, so if you're doing a program in the calibration on a Honda Civic, there's not even a labor time out there that's accurate that says, all right, this is how long it's going to take. And so they're actually building their own database on how long each of these calibration, each of these jobs do for specific makes of vehicles, right? They're creating something that didn't exist. That is exactly what this credit is talking about. So it's hard to kind of quantify how big this credit is because it really depends on how much you spend. You get a percentage of what you spend on it. You can go back up to three years and amend for stuff that you've missed in previous years. And essentially, you would either file the tax credit on the current year tax return or go back and amend previous year's tax returns. So that's another area that makes me a little uneasy about this credit because anytime you amend a tax return, you're kind of a bit of opening up a can of worms there. Anytime that you're amending a tax return, the IRS is going to be saying, hey, what is this taxpayer trying to do here? Let alone going and amending a tax return and asking for a $30,000, $50,000 tax credit, right? So this is something that you're opening yourself up to a little bit of risk here. But if you really have a legitimate case on it, it's something that you're doing in good faith. However, if you decide to be pretty aggressive on this stuff, then it's something that I'll probably be concerned about. So... When this client approached us um, and was talking about this research and development tax credit, I said, you know what? I don't know a ton about it. I've done a little bit of research on it. If you want to go out from my understanding of this, I feel like it's a little aggressive. Well, let's see what they say. So this company came back and, like I said, said it's going to be $60,000 for my client, explained exactly what their argument behind it was, saying any use of scan tools, any purchase of scan tools all qualifies for this credit. Just like the employee retention tax credit, I asked them, great, you know what, guys, we're not going to argue here. Me say this is aggressive. You say this is fine. What kind of guidance can you give my client if he ever gets audited? And they kept on reverting back to the same thing. They never said, hey, if this gets audited, we're going to guarantee it. We're going to put this in writing. They said, we've had a number of lawyers look at this, and all the lawyers agree that this is a safe financial move. This is a safe tax position to take. And I said, guys, you're not listening to what I'm saying. If my client goes and gets audited, and I come back to my client and they say, all right, we've thrown out this credit and you owe $60,000 plus another $20,000 in interest. Who's paying at $80,000? And they said, no, we assure you, Hunt. We've had lawyers look at this. We've had lawyers you know, agree with our position that we've taken on this. So long and short of this is they were not willing to back this up and guarantee that it's going to stand up and audit. So that was the first thing that said, ooh, this makes me feel a little bit uneasy here. Another thing here is, it's like I mentioned before, they're standing to make a lot of money off of this. They made $20,000 off of my client, right? That is a ton of money. Do you think that they have a vested interest in making sure that you qualify? Or do you think they have a vested interest in asking for that credit and applying for that credit? I'm going to be 100% honest with you right now. If you are listening, you know, let's say everyone here that listens to this takes both of these credits, realistically, probably one of two of you guys would get audited. And you might or might not even be caught in an audit. The IRS is supremely underfunded and understaffed, and they aren't auditing people with any sort of regularity. And like I said, both of these credits are kind of complicated. I'm not even sure the IRS really understands the whole idea behind it. 
But if you want to sleep well at night, if you don't like to be that aggressive, then both of these things are probably something that I would shy away from unless you absolutely do qualify for this. Another thing that might make you feel a little bit better, too, is when I heard about this credit, I did a lot of research, especially after I you know, went through this with my client, because I saw how much money there was in here. Right. I'm a business owner. I'm a business person. I not only talk about driving profit for my clients. Obviously, I want to have a profitable business for myself as well. And so I started doing the math on this. So I have about 600 shops that I work with on a monthly basis, a couple hundred more that I you know, know and talk to throughout the year and do their taxes for. But let's just use my monthly clients as an example. So if I have 600 shops and they qualify, and let's say that they are going to qualify for $10,000 per shop, right? Which is 33% of 30,000, which is probably again low. So I have 600 shops that qualify for this credit. And I'm going to get $10,000 from each of those shops for doing this credit for them. I would make $6 million just on doing this credit alone. And so when I looked at this, I was like, wow, that is a lot of money. But the more and more I've researched this, I did not feel good about it because I cannot look my client in the face and say, you know what, Mr. Smith, if you are to do this credit, you're going to pay me to do this and nothing's going to happen. If the IRS ever looks at this, you are 100% in the clear. It's going to work. It's going to go through. Realistically, my stance would probably be pretty much the exact opposite of, hey, let's just hope this never gets looked into. You trust your accountant. You trust me as a guided professional on this. And I'm saying if I'm in your shoes, I'm probably not taking that credit. I'm notoriously pretty aggressive as far as tax saving, tax planning and stuff like that. I just think that this one is over the line. I just don't think that there's a very good leg to stand on for most shops out there. You know, to kind of wrap this up and kind of put a bow on it here. If you're an EV, if you're doing an ADA shop, if you're doing some cool other things that's different, that's new, then great. But if you're not kind of thinking outside the box, reinventing the wheel here, reinventing different processes and procedures, then this probably just isn't a credit for you. And so both of these, you know, the big conclusion here is the people selling us, the people pushing this, be very mindful of that, right? This is a sales job, right? This is not a tax job that they're looking for. This is a sales. The more sales, the more commissions, the more money they make. Anytime that someone stands to gain financially on something, you have to be a little bit leery and you have to do your research on it. And no matter which way you do on this one, proceed with caution, ask a lot of questions, you know, trust your professionals, ask for guidance on it. You know, a lot of people come back to me and they say, hey, what's your opinion on it? I tell them, hey, it's aggressive, probably wouldn't do it. At the end of the day, if they're really committed to doing it, am I going to say no? No, but I want to be able to give them the guidance. I want to be able to give them my input of saying, hey, I don't feel great about this. If you're a little bit less risk averse or more you know, risky as far as your tax positions on it, then go for it. But I want you to go in this with open eyes and don't think that this is a slam dunk and don't think this is something that you can't lose on because that's just really not the case. So hopefully to get a little bit more insight on two of those tax credits, you know, anything that comes up on this, any new ideas that come up here, I will make sure to talk about. You know, the only other thing that I want to mention on the uh, research and development credit one that I forgot to mention before is the IRS is getting a little bit more strict on that. 
And so in the past, you could just claim that credit on the tax return. There was no separate schedule. Now, with the influx of how many people have been applying for this credit, the IRS has made it a little bit stricter that when you apply for the R&D credit and you claim it on the tax return, you have to put a statement in there essentially saying, hey, I took this credit. Here's why I took it. And here's the backup documentation. So it's already something that the IRS is starting to kind of scrutinize a little bit more. The employee retention tax credit doesn't have any sort of that scrutiny on it because, like I said, it's a little bit easier to follow, a little bit less gray area and a little bit less up to interpretation. This is a great opportunity for people that qualify for it. But again, like we talked about here, make sure you qualify for this stuff before you go and waste your time, energy or money doing something that is probably not going to stand up and maybe because something that could have a negative impact on you and your business. So I hope this was helpful for you guys. Any other questions, any sort of comments, any ideas that you guys have for a future episode, or if you want to join me on a future episode, please shoot me an email. That email is podcast at parmelis.com. Link for that is in the show info bio above here. Again, just like I always ask, if this was helpful for you, please share it with a friend. If they're a shop owner, if they're a small business owner, if you just think that they could use a little bit of this information, please pass it along. I'd be very, very appreciative of that. So that's it for today. I want to thank you guys again for listening. And like I mentioned earlier in this, happy end of tax season here. Hopefully everyone got a bunch of money back and Uncle Sam didn't do you too wrong this year. But I will talk to you guys soon. Be safe and talk to you a little later. You've been listening to Business by the Numbers with Hunt Demarest on the Aftermarket Radio Network. Follow Hunt on your favorite podcast listening app. Let him know what you'd like him to cover. His email is in the show notes. Hunt is all for advancing the aftermarket.